invite you to go with me, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to start reading at verse 5, and we'll focus on verse 17. Pardon, we're going to start reading on verse 15, and we'll focus, focus on verse 17. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15, but... To this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Let's say that together this morning. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. One more time, everybody here. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Father, we thank you for the liberty that we have in Christ. We thank you for the gospel which makes us free. And we pray today that you would anoint my lips of clay to teach and preach the word of the living God. And I ask you to anoint this congregation to hear and receive the word sown into their hearts. I pray that you would bear much fruit in us today, in Jesus' name, amen. Everybody said amen. You may be seated this morning. I ask you to bear with me. I uh, lost my voice in the Spanish service. If it happens again, Brother Israel is going to finish the sermon. He already heard it once. Now he's ready to go, I think. I want to speak this morning about liberty. The Bible teaches us four liberties that you and I can enjoy and do enjoy as we walk with God. As we celebrate Independence Day and we remember and reflect upon a nation that has as one of its core values the idea of freedom. We want to reflect on what God's word says on this subject and on this topic. Both as it relates to our nation and ultimately as it relates to our individual lives and hearts. It's never been God's will for man to be oppressed. It's not God's will for man to be bound by anything in life. And that's why in a lot of ways the United States as its core value of freedom has been blessed and has blessed the nations because we agree with God that freedom is every man's inheritance. The Bible says in the book of Genesis that God said to uh, himself, he, he was speaking to the Trinity, he said, let us make man in our image and likeness. And so God made man and man a unique and special creation. Unlike the beasts of the field or the birds of the air or the beasts of the sea, man was made with a unique and special creation whose purpose and design uh, is exactly a representation of God. He says he made man in his image. This means that man, just like God, is a tripart being. God, of course, is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Man is three parts, the, the spirit, the soul, and the body. He gave to man the same capacities that he himself has. The capacity to reason, to communicate, to have 
feeling and emotion to relate. These are traits of personhood which God gave to man which are not possessed by the rest of the creation. When you look at the created order, you see that basically the animal kingdom, as it has been called, continues to live and exist under the same types of circumstances and environment which is always always has. The grizzly bear still lives in a cave. The the badgers, uh, and, or I should say the, the um, well, the badger lives in the hills and the, the rabbit lives in the furrow. And these things haven't changed throughout time. They continue to be the same. And they continue to, uh, without any development, any maturation, any growth or increase, but man has gone and developed and grown, has invented and become a, a creator of things just like God. And today we read the headlines about men who are planning to go to other planets or to live in outer space for a time. And you, you see that man is always constantly developing. And some would give that, uh, that credit to the idea or the theory of evolution, but that is nonsense. That is the image of God manifested in man's ability to create and invent. And those of us who have lived over the last 30 or 40 years, we've seen so many changes in technology and in communication that it is hard to deny that God has put within human beings, saved or unsaved, an incredible capacity to develop and to become, uh, to make something of themselves. There's no excuse for you and I not to do something great with the days that God has given us and with the years of life. We had better make uh, make a, a great reward of the time that God has given to us because someday we'll answer to Him for it. And with all of this, God gave man a liberty and that liberty was the freedom of will. He gave to man the capacity to choose his own destiny, his own fate. He gives to man the capacity to live in obedience and in reverence to God. And from that decision come a multitude of blessings and a multitude of benefits. And then he gave to man the capacity to reject God. To say no to God and to ignore His voice. And for that decision there are also devastating consequences and outcomes. This decision cannot be made for any man by any other. God has given this liberty to you. You sir, you ma'am are the, are the one who's going to determine where you'll spend eternity. If I could determine it for you I'd take everybody to heaven. But God himself has not made that determination. No man can make it for you. Your mom can't save you. Your grandmother can't save you. You have to decide whether Jesus will be Lord of your life or not. And if you choose to accept him, you'll be saved. If you choose to reject him, you'll be lost. But the choice is altogether yours. It is your free choice to make. Thank God that you and I can hear the gospel and respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. But that decision has to be made by you someday. And some people think, well, I'll just make the choice whenever I'm good and ready. I'll come to God when I've uh, sowed my wild oats or I've lived up my life. But friend, the Bible says that no one can come unless he is drawn by the Father. The Spirit of God has to draw you. And until, and when he, I should say, when he draws you, you, you have to come. Come. 
when he calls. Some have rejected that call and never been called again. Some have missed that opportunity. And you don't want to miss that opportunity. The Bible says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Don't say tomorrow or later. Because tomorrow or later may be too late. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Say yes to Jesus today. The Bible said there are multitudes. It repeats it. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Why is there a decision? Because there's a liberty there. The decision to choose. And God has given that choice to you. Now this lets us know something about the character of God. God desires for man to be free. As I mentioned, he has no purpose or desire in binding men. In our nation, we must uh, be advocates as the church of freedom. Freedom from oppression and freedom from every form of physical bondage and oppression which might uh, be brought upon the human condition. One of the worst oppressions that we see in our nation today are the millions of babies that are aborted each year in America. This is a, a disgrace to God's blessing on our nation. It is a rejection of the very value of life and the image of God. Some say, well, it's really not a person Not really a life until it's born. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says when you were in the womb, I knew you. God says when you were in your mother's womb, I formed you. I made you and I called you to be a prophet to the nations. Listen, friends, God has created life from the very moment of conception. It is precious to him and it is a liberty which we must advocate and defend because it is the will of the almighty God. One of the other crises in our nation is the crisis of sex trafficking. The bondage of human beings today for the purpose of feeding the illicit and immoral appetite of a nation. We live and our church is situated just less than a mile from one of the primary arteries of sex trafficking in the United States, Highway 59. And passing through our streets Every day are people who are being taken as slaves into bondage around this nation. We don't notice or perceive that it looks like life as normal. But it cannot be that the church of Jesus Christ can live so near to an artery of such abomination and say nothing. You and I must stand up and pray and ask God to shut down the trafficking of slaves in our community. And through our community, we have to decide we won't take it. It's not God's will. It's not God's will for America or for Beeville. Is the church here this morning? It's liberty that God desires for every man. That no man should be a slave to any other. Abraham Lincoln said, since I would be no man's slave, I will be no man's master. And yet we see the bondage that is taking place in our world, in our nation. We must understand there are things that grieve the heart of God. And oppression is one of those things. Binding and, and restraining people in their liberty is one of those things. And you and I must be careful not to side or to support those who offend the heart and character of God. 
Now there's one more thing I'll mention on this, and that is that here in this nation we have the freedom of worship. Because God gave man liberty to choose, then our nation has understood that each person in this nation has the freedom to worship God as he chooses, according to the dictates of his own conscience. Our Constitution has enshrined in our, in our uh, articles, uh, the Bill of Rights says that no law shall be passed which shall infringe upon the freedom of our religion. You have the right to choose what church you attend and which God you worship. Of course, there's a, there's a consequence for what decision you make. But ultimately, God protects your right and my right to worship Him freely. America has done so as well. But I tell you, church, be careful and be watchful because we are seeing days where more and more we are seeing the persecution of the church in America. Just to the north in Canada, we see how pastors are being arrested for the proclamation of the gospel. We see how churches and leaderships are being arrested because they won't shut down during the pandemic. We see how the government has controlled your access to the the gospel and your access to the church throughout this last season, this last year. These are a foretaste of things to come. Government never gives liberty back. When a government takes freedom from its people, it never gives it back. And so you and I cannot afford to give away our freedom of religion in America. This is our liberty and our right to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience. I believe you and I will see days where churches who proclaim the full gospel of Jesus Christ and defend the sanctity of life and the holiness of marriage between one man and one woman will be removed from social media. There may come a day when those of you watching on Facebook won't be able to see Kingsway Church on Facebook. So you just better get used to coming to church because there may come a day when you don't have access to that anymore. Listen, social media is going to control what can be put on the internet by churches. And governments are going to control this as well. I believe we'll see days when the tax-exempt status of the church will be threatened because of its gospel message. I believe we'll see days when banks in our nation will refuse to give bank accounts to churches because of the gospel message or the message they preach concerning the values that we teach. You and I have to decide as of now. This is our liberty. This is our right. And we won't depend on men to defend it for us. We must stand up and be the church of Jesus Christ in this generation Come on, church. We must stand up and be the church of Jesus Christ in this generation. You and I have had it easy. The church has been spoiled by the ease. We choose when and where and how we come to church. I was privileged to participate in some of the underground church services in China. I remember taking a a course, a, a, a path to get to the church. That was in an alley. We traveled on bus and on taxi just to evade being followed. We finally arrived in this, uh, in this alleyway. Came into a back room. No, no, half the size of this stage. And in that room were 200 Chinese Christians. Worshiping God. No chairs. No, no place to sit. Simply standing shoulder to shoulder. 
their songs were written on the wall as numbers. And they had a pastor who had been in, in prison for 30 years because of his preaching of the word of God. Today he was released. They released him because he was too old to work any longer in the, uh, in the prison work camp. So they released him. And that very day he started another church. And that was the church he was pastoring. When I walked in and I saw this, I was amazed to see the faith and the zeal of the body of Christ. Determined to worship God and to fellowship regardless of their circumstances. And then they asked me to preach. And I thought to myself, what can I possibly tell the Christians in China when Christians in America won't go to church when there's air conditioning and padded pews? And so I was a little bit embarrassed, but I took the opportunity to preach uh, on account of the fact that Billy Graham had preached there once before. And I thought, I've got to share the pulpit with Billy Graham. But there you see that the condition that the church can come into. And I want to tell you, church, there may be desperate conditions that come to the church in the world in the days to come. And the Bible speaks that they will. But the church of Jesus Christ... Not the religious church, not the traditional church, but the blood-bought church of Jesus Christ will never cease until the day of Jesus coming. Come on, somebody, because we are the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. This liberty belongs to you. and God has given it to you and to me. We must be careful what we do with this liberty. Number two, God has sent Jesus to give you liberty from the curse. When Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, they fell under a curse. God pronounced a curse upon man and upon woman and upon the earth. He said to man, you're going to eat bread from the sweat of your brow, meaning it's going to be a labor and a toil to bring about fruitful living. Man was now under the curse of sin. Not only this, but the earth was cursed. And so whereas before when the earth naturally produced, it produced good things, fruitful things. Now if you leave a pasture unattended for some time, it will be filled with thorns and thistles. So there is a a curse upon the earth. But Jesus came to deliver man from the curse. His curse was so vast and so extensive that the Bible said that it would reach into the third and fourth generation. The curse upon a family would reach unto its children. The Bible said that when a man ate sour grapes, his children would, their, their jaw, the jaw of, the, of his children would hurt. That is the, the relationship of the curse to man. It is so, so vast, so effective. That it will bring destruction and doom not just to the father but to the son. And to the grandson and to the great grandson. This was the effect of the curse. It was as far reaching as today. And many today are still under the curse. Because they have not found freedom in Jesus Christ. But God sent his son to the earth. His son lived a sinless perfect life. He died on the cross In order that he might break the power of the curse of sin over your life. They took 
the very symbol of the curse, the thorns. And they placed them upon his forehead. Just in case you and I would forget that he didn't come just to put on a show and be a good martyr. But he came to deliver you from the power of the curse of sin and to make you free and free indeed. Come on somebody, you are free today from the curse of sin. Let me explain. The curse made, gave you a negative balance. The curse made you a debtor. Jesus didn't come just to give you a zero balance. He didn't come just to give you a, just to pay off your debt to the, to the, to sin. But rather he came to give you a balance of abundance. It's called the blessing. The curse gave you a negative balance, but the blessing of God has given you a positive balance. It's made you rich, rich in mercy, rich in joy, rich in peace, rich in righteousness. Come on somebody. You have been delivered from the curse of the law and you've been given the blessing of the almighty God. Somebody shout, I'm blessed. Listen, if you have decided to follow Christ, you're blessed. And the blessing of God is on your life. In the book of Numbers, the king uh, called a prophet named Balaam. And the king said, I want you to curse the nation of Israel. And he tried to curse the nation of Israel. And God said, Balaam, you can't curse what I have blessed. I want you to know, Kingsway Church, the devil and hell itself cannot curse what God has blessed. You are under the blessing of God Almighty because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the cross brought into the curse. And the blessing of Abraham has fallen upon the Gentiles. The curse lasted for four generations. But there is a blessing that lasts for a thousand generations. It is the blessing of God on the righteous. Come on, are there any righteous people in the house of God this morning? I said, are there any righteous people in the house of God this morning? Shout amen. Because the blessing of God is on your life. That's liberty. Liberty from the curse of sin. And from the curse of the law. So don't go around talking about, I'm cursed. My family's cursed. We can never get ahead. We can never catch a break. Every time we get ahead, something happens. Stop talking like that. You go out and you talk like this. I am the head and not the tail. I go above and not beneath. I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed when I go out and I'm blessed when I come in because I'm a child of God Almighty. Come on, somebody. Open your mouth and declare your liberty. You are under the blessing of God. Number three, Jesus came to give you freedom and liberty from the flesh. The flesh is the Adamic nature. When Adam sinned, he fell into sin, his whole nature changed. He became spiritually disconnected from God. Whereas prior to the fall, Adam had a complete God consciousness. Everything Adam thought about prior to the fall was God and pleasing God and honoring God. But when he fell, he became self-conscious. And now all Adam can think about is himself, protecting and preserving himself. That's why when God comes into the garden and asks him, who told you you were naked? He quickly blamed Eve and God. He said, the woman that you gave me, this is all your fault. That's the nature of sin. That's the Adamic nature. Paul talks about the Adamic nature and he says, what I don't want to do, I end up doing. 
And what I want to do, I don't seem to have the power to do. He's describing the power of the flesh. That if you allow it to dominate your life, it will, it will go against the very, the very values that you espouse. The flesh is a, is a terrible master. The Bible says that the flesh profits nothing. That means there's no good thing in the flesh. That's the problem that many Christians face. They try to give the flesh a little room, a little space. The Bible says there is no good thing in the flesh. The Bible said that the mindset on the flesh is death. Everything the Adamic nature touches is death. But Jesus came to free you from the power of the flesh. He came to give you freedom from the nature of Adam. And now he has given to you the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, you have a new nature. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And all things have passed away. And behold, all things have been made new. When you come to Jesus, he'll make a liar tell the truth. He'll make a thief be honest. He will take a drug addict and make him sober. Come on, somebody. When you come to Jesus, he'll cleanse your mind and your heart and your mouth. There is a transformation that can take place in the human life. And Jesus can change and does change the nature of man. He came to set you free from bondage to the flesh. And he's given you now freedom to live by the nature of God that's on the inside of you. You say, Pastor, I can't. I can't, I can't, I can't control my temper. I can't control how I think. I can't control how I look at women. I can't, I can't. If you're a believer, you can stop talking about you can't. There is a power living on the inside of you that is greater than sin. It is the power of Almighty God. You can because God has made you able. Jesus has come to live in your life by the power of your spirit. And so don't ever say, well, my grandfather was like this, and my father was like this, and I'm going to be like that too, I guess. No, you have a new father. You have a new father. He's put his blood, the blood of Jesus in your veins. You have a new nature. But guess what? It comes back down to that decision. You have to decide which setting you're going to live on. The mind set on the spirit is life, but the mind set on the flesh is death. You decide. It's like I tell the students in the Bible school. You got to flip the switch. Some days I come into class, they're in the flesh. I can tell. I tell you, you got to flip the switch. Get in the spirit. I say, get in the spirit. You got to stop living in the flesh. Stop walking according to your feelings and your emotions and your instinct and your appetite. They're destroying your life. They're making you miserable. They're causing you to be a failure. There is a power on the inside of you. It's the power to be righteous. The power to do good. The power to love God. Come on somebody. The power to touch heaven when you pray. That power is living on the inside of the believer today. One of our core values as a church is everyone can live in victory. I want you to say that out loud. Everyone can live in victory. 
We don't for a moment believe that you have to, that you have to be bound, that you have to be cursed, that you have to be broken, that you have to be under the yoke of addiction, that you have to be under that power of depression, that you have to be under that power of sickness. We believe that every believer can live in victory because the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ has been guaranteed to every single believer who have put their trust in Christ. Do you believe that this morning? That victory belongs to you. It belongs to me. We've been giving ourselves a pass in the American church. Well, I can't help it. Yes, you can help it. Say amen, somebody. Now, before you were born again, before you were saved, you couldn't help it if you wanted to. And here's the fact. Many of you controlled your flesh even when you weren't born again. You weren't born again, you weren't saved, you didn't know anything about God. And at one in the morning in that club, you decided, I'm going home. That was your flesh deciding that. Now you're going to tell me that you could control your flesh when you were living by the flesh? But you can't control the flesh when you're living by the Spirit. No, 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 no. Don't let the devil rob you of your inheritance. If you can say no when you weren't saved, you can sure enough say no now because you are saved. Because the Spirit of God is dwelling on the inside of you. Come on, is there a church alive in the house of God this morning? Number five, number four. The liberty that you and I have in the Spirit. The Apostle Paul writes here to the Corinthians. And he uses as an analogy the Jewish people. Who because of their rejection of Christ. Became blinded to the ministry and person of Jesus. As a nation today the Jewish people reject Christ. He's their Messiah. He was promised by their prophets. But because of their rejection of Christ, there has come a blindness over them. So Paul says from this day uh, until this day, he says, whenever Moses is read, there is a veil over their eyes. You see, when you and I read the books of Moses, we read about Abraham taking Isaac to sacrifice. We see Jesus in that. We see how God the Father was was pictured as taking his son to sacrifice. When you and I read the book of Exodus, written by Moses, we see the blood applied to the doorposts of the house in Egypt and Goshen by the Jewish people. And we see the blood of Jesus applied to the heart of the believer to make him free from the power of death and of sin. When we see the priests in the book of Leviticus coming into the Holy of Holies and making atonement for the people, we look at that in our spiritual eyes, see Jesus coming into the Holy of Holies in heaven with his own blood and making atonement for our sins. When we see water coming out of a rock in the book of Numbers, we see the Spirit of God flowing as a result of the broken rock named Jesus. But the Jews, when they read it, there's a veil over their eyes. But Paul says something interesting. He says, but when someone is converted, when someone turns to the Lord, something happens. When you got converted, the Spirit of God came to dwell on the inside of you. 
Say amen. amen. The believer now has the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside. He says, so when one is converted, he turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. That blindness that, that kept the Jew from seeing Christ was on Saul of Tarsus' eyes. But he had an encounter with Jesus. The Bible said that when he came to know Christ, the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of him, the scales fell off of his eyes. That's what happened to you and I when Jesus came into our life. That blindness toward Christ fell off of your eyes and you began to see him. But this is the point Paul is making. The blindness began to be removed because there was a new resident on the inside. The Spirit of God had come to dwell. And so Paul says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I know you've been waiting all week to get to church. Because you said the Spirit of the Lord is in church. And I want liberty. But I've got good news for you. The Spirit of God is dwelling on the inside of you. I said the Spirit of God is dwelling on the inside of you. In your living room. In your car. In your cubicle. In your jail cell. Wherever you are in that hotel room. The Spirit of God transforming your life. That Spirit is a Spirit of liberty. And wherever he is, there is liberty. The Holy Spirit begins the work of cleansing. It's like, like he starts washing the windshield of your heart. So that you can see clearly. So that you can do, so that you can see that what you were doing was right or wrong. So that you can have discernment. So that you can reject unrighteousness and value righteousness. He starts to remove the scales from our eyes so that we can see what God sees and have a divine perspective when we go through trials and hardships and sorrows that we can see God at work in them and we can glorify God because he has never left us nor forsaken us. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and that liberty is in you today to transform your life because God Never intended for you to be bound by anything. You're not to be bound by sin. Or the curse. Or the flesh. Or depression. Or discouragement. Or fear. Or lack. Or poverty. Or brokenness. Or shame. Or confusion. Where the Spirit of God is. Right there on the inside of you. He is here this morning to bring liberty, to open up prison doors, to set the free the captive, to restore the heart of the broken. Come on, somebody. The Spirit of God on the inside of you is a spirit of power and of freedom. And he wants to operate in your life. You see, this freedom is a little different from the previous two. Freedom from the curse and freedom from the flesh are freedoms from. God has delivered you out of something. But he didn't just deliver you from. He delivered you to. He didn't just come to deliver you from sin. But he came to give you liberty unto righteousness. 
unto holiness, unto wholeness, unto healing. This spirit is present this morning. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. I'm not talking about the spirit of man. I'm not talking about these spirits that roam throughout the earth. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit of God. He's liberty to you. He's freedom to you. In the 90s, my grandmother, my father's mother was suffering through a chronic illness. And she was in the hospital in lots of pain. She had gone through months of sickness, maybe years of sickness, going back and forth to doctors and dialysis and all of those things that people go through when there's a chronic illness in their body. And this does, this did what normally it would do in anybody. It discouraged her. It brought her down low. Maybe you've been there. She was a woman of faith, a woman of the word, and a woman of, of, the, of the spirit who would manifest gifts of the spirit in the house of God. But this season of her life, she's about to be called to heaven. And she was discouraged. Now, I, you could say, well, she'll be free when she gets to heaven. Yes, that's true. But God's will is not for you to be bound until you get to heaven. Come on, somebody. I said, it's not God's will for you to be bound until you get to heaven. He came to me make you free today. The psalmist said, I would have despaired. I would have given up. I would have quit if I had not believed that I would see the goodness of God, not in heaven, right here in the land of the living. I hope some hunger is developing in your spirit today to say, you know what? I don't have to wait to get to heaven. I can enjoy heaven right here on the earth because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. She was in the hospital room. And in the 90s, there were very few programs that you could find on television by Jimmy Swaggart Ministries. But that program came on, her television. And my grandmother did not like Jimmy Swaggart. And you probably know why if you remember the controversies of the 80s. And she didn't know how to use the remote controls. She couldn't change it. But the anointing came across that broadcast. Right there in her hospital room with an IV and everything else, the Spirit of God touched her life. And that discouraged woman became happy again. And joy came into her life. She started to raise her hands and worship God and speak in tongues. And the nurses ran in the room and said, she's lost it. She lost her mind. The pain is too severe. She hadn't lost her mind. She found her mind. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Come on, somebody. 
I don't know what you're going through this morning. But in the anointing of God, there's liberty. I said there's liberty. There's joy. There's peace. There's breakthrough. There is hope. And that anointing is resting on you. Because you are a child of God Almighty. Come on, let's stand up together. And this this Independence Day, this July 4th, where we celebrate our liberty, I want you to take hold of heaven. And grab a hold of the liberty that God has given to you. This altar is open. If you're hungry for God. If you're thirsty for his presence if you're in your life. If you need a touch of heaven in your soul. Come on, get into this altar. It's time to seek God. It's time to go after God. His spirit brings life. His spirit brings joy. His spirit is liberty. Hallelujah. Let the thirsty come and drink. Come to the waters. Come on, just start worshiping God. Start worshiping God. Lift your voice, Christian. The Spirit of God gives you power to pray. Power to worship. Power to live in victory. Come on, everyone who can pray in the Spirit. Begin to pray in the Spirit this morning.